Good evening. The G7 proposes an international corporate tax. Florida bans critical race theory. What should teachers teach? Protesting developers eyeing a slave burial ground in Brooklyn and the fate of dogs. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Friday, June 11th, 2021. The Justice Department's internal watchdog launched an investigation today following revelations former President Donald Trump's administration secretly seized phone data from at least two House Democrats as part of an aggressive leaks probe. Democrats called the seizures harrowing and an abuse of power. House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff and another Democratic member of the panel, California Representative Eric Swalwell, said Apple notified them last month their metadata had been subpoenaed and turned over to the Justice Department in 2018. The two were part of a panel investigating Trump's ties to Russia. The news follows revelations the Justice Department had secretly seized phone records belonging to reporters at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and CNN as part of criminal leak investigations. Following an outcry from press freedom organizations, the Justice Department announced last week it would cease the practice of going after journalists sourcing information. And today, FBI Director Christopher Wray testified before the House Judiciary Committee on Oversight of the FBI. Wray addressed the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, saying the FBI has made close to 500 arrests, with more likely to come. Chair Jerry Nadler asked if the FBI had provided adequate information to Capitol Police that an assault may have been coming. The FBI did disseminate, uh, I think, about a dozen intelligence products, including warning of domestic violent extremism related to the election, some talking about it continuing past the election all the way through inauguration, including reports together with DHS put out in December the month before. As far as individuals actually under investigation, now that we're close to 500 arrests into the matter, you may be surprised to to learn that, in fact, almost none of the individuals charged and found to be involved with uh, the attack on the Capitol were, in fact, individuals who were previously present. Okay. And there he was cut off by Jerry Nadler, but he was saying that none of the people arrested, or very few of them arrested, uh, were in fact under any sort of investigation by the FBI prior to what happened. Meanwhile, in Cornwall, England, group of seven leaders brought pledges to share vaccine doses and make a fair global economy today to the Seaside Summit, where British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says the coronavirus pandemic shouldn't be allowed to leave a lasting scar on the world. Pacifica reporter Ali Barrett has more. After official arrivals and a G7 family photo here in Cornwall, leaders will get down to business. Their first session today is called Build Back Better from COVID-19 and takes in economic recovery, inequalities, environmental issues and gender themes. Prince Charles will also meet with leaders and business chiefs to call for coordinated action on climate change. An evening reception will be hosted by the Queen with Prince Charles, Camilla and Prince William and Kate all in attendance. Heading into the summit, the UK and US have pledged between them to supply 600 million COVID vaccine doses for the rest of the world. Ollie Barrett, Cornwall. The G7 is also set to formally embrace a global minimum tax of at least 15 percent on multinational corporations following an agreement reached a week ago by their finance ministers. The minimum is meant to stop companies from using tax havens to shift profits and to avoid taxes. But senior tax advisor to the Tax Justice Network, James Henry, says the G7 agreement is a weak substitute for the reform needed, but being blocked in the United States Senate. In the case of corporations, we had 55 major corporations last year paid no taxes on $40 billion of profits. And offshore system, Trump made it worse because he basically said, if you have your profits from outside the country, you're only going to pay a 10 to 15 percent tax on those. Whereas if it's inside, it's going to be 21 or higher. What Biden is trying to do, at least half of the tax revenues talking about raising would come from tax reforms that have to do with corporations. And the most important ones would be to raise the tax rate from 21 to 28%. Remember that socialist Dwight D. Eisenhower in the 50s, we had 90% corporate tax rates. Reagan hacked that to death, and we've had nothing but a race to the bottom since then. Restoring it to 28% 
is worth about $500 billion of tax revenue over 10 years. And the other part of it is this stuff that the G7 has been focusing on this weekend in Cornwall, the end of the UK, beaches out there where no one can get at them. These seven important countries get together and argue about how to extract more revenue from all the major multinationals by moving stuff offshore to havens like Ireland, just don't have any income taxes. Like Apple, for example, would set up a subsidiary in Ireland that wasn't taxable in Ireland because its management was in California. It wasn't taxable in the United States because it's located in Ireland. It was a citizen of nowhere for tax purposes, and then Apple could transfer all of its asset, intellectual property, to that company in Ireland and pay itself royalties tax-free. Are they going to address that, do you think, at the G7? Is Biden... uh... Biden is trying to do something about this problem, but basically he is settled here because he doesn't have the votes in the Senate. He's got the senator from West Virginia and senators from Arizona who are not on his side with respect to these tax measures. And he's basically agreed on a worldwide rate of a minimum of 15%. That cuts the revenue that he's going to get from his tax plan by about $450 billion. He's not going to raise nearly as much. Whatever the G7 does is only going to benefit these seven rich countries, Canada, the UK, the United States, Italy, France, Germany and Japan. And all the revenue from any of these tax changes is going to benefit them. Meanwhile, developing democracies like South Africa and Argentina and Brazil, these are countries that are really strapped for cash. They had high debts going into the pandemic, and then they got hit hard by the pandemic, and they haven't recovered. They don't have the vaccines that we have. We need what we call a financial transactions tax, basically exactly what New York has now, except that it rebates it all to Wall Street. We're talking about a 0.1% sales tax on some of the richest people in the country who are trading all the stocks. How about Bitcoins? Should they tax that as well? Cryptocurrency is a couple trillion dollars, but the stock market is 60 trillion. That's just New York exchanges alone last year did 60 trillion dollars of trades. If they got a 1.1% tax on that stuff around the world, they could raise $100 billion a year and the developing countries could keep 50 billion of it and pay a lot of their costs. Will this ever happen? And if the, the Gilded Age people have so much power and they can't end it. We have much more inequality than they ever dreamed of in the Gilded Age. Bezos, this guy who bought the Washington Post, he doesn't pay any taxes on himself. Amazon is using all these gambits to not pay taxes. He underpays his workers. He has driven a lot of small businesses around the country out of business. And the reason for that is because he prices his retail stuff like books and commodities to make no profit. The only place that Amazon makes profit is in the cloud, the computing system, if you look. And that's intentional because that stuff is taxed differently. It would take like two days to sit down with people and explain to them how this stuff works. And then they would be out in the streets. And, you know, I think that's what we're heading for, because the politicians in Washington are basically on the take. James Henry, senior advisor to the Tax Justice Network. And Republicans in Congress say they're alarmed by the leak of confidential IRS data to the investigative news organization ProPublica. The data enabled the news organization to reveal that famous billionaires, including Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, and Mark Zuckerberg, pay little in U.S. income taxes at times. A senior IRS official said Thursday, that's yesterday, a federal criminal investigation into the leak has been requested. Tax expert Henry while says while the leak of private tax information may be unfortunate, it illustrates the way the rich can avoid their taxes. Normally, uh, tax returns are private, and most Americans would object if the IRS gets anxious to the information and people in the IRS start leaking it. Yeah, it's not unusual for privacy considerations. This is unusual because they have the master files, which is really a pretty full-blown information about what people have been doing. We would have loved to have that on Donald Trump. If you have a president who is a felon, that's one thing. But this, in this case, you have these guys have a lot of money. They've been using a lot of legal loopholes. And our tax system certainly has them. It's quite possible for people with megabucks to kind of live a life of Riley without paying any taxes. And they do it in a number of ways. One is that they, first of all, don't pay taxes on unrealized wealth. 
one realized capital gains. And then at death, they get a so-called stepped-up basis. These are terms that ordinary Americans need to get aware of. Stepped-up basis means nothing that you're not going to ever pay taxes on the capital gains associated with property that you acquired or, or stocks and bonds that you acquired. At death, they will go on to your progeny tax-free, and those folks will just take it. And capital gains, of course, the difference between the value that you got, bought that house for 30 years ago, and the value it is now. And usually when you sell it, you'd have to pay some tax on it. But wealthy people have ways of around that. And if they're not realizing the gains, then they're not going to pay tax. And then the big loophole is the way they're able to effectively borrow from big banks in particular, and then deduct the interest and just live off the loans. The banks know that they're good for it because they're worth megabucks, but they figure out ways of having deductible income expenses in a variety of ways that shelter a lot of their income from any taxation whatsoever. And that's tax expert, expert James Henry. ProPublica found that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos paid no income tax in 2007 and 2011. Tesla founder Elon Musk's income tax bill was zero in 2018. Financier George Soros went three straight years without paying federal income tax. Overall, the richest 25 Americans pay less in tax, an average of 15.8% of adjusted gross income, than many ordinary workers do once taxes for Social Security and Medicare are included. And the Florida Board of Education yesterday approved an amendment that Governor Ron DeSantis advanced in order to ban teaching certain ideas about race and history. The board agreed to ban teaching critical race theory in state schools. The decision was met by teachers chanting, allow teachers to teach the truth. Critical race theory proposes that systematic racism is part of American society and challenges the beliefs that allow it to flourish. The theory was started in the 1970s as a way to examine how laws and systems promote inequality, but it's since expanded. The board passed an amended version of the amendment to the rule that specifically bans critical race theory and bans any content from the New York Times 1619 project from being taught in Florida's classrooms. Florida Education Commissioner Richard Corrin had proposed a rule that would force teachers to align their civics lessons to a traditional view of American history. Governor Ron DeSantis joined the State Board of education meeting virtually to describe why he feels critical race theory should not be taught in Florida classrooms. DeSantis said the woke class wants to teach kids to hate each other rather than teaching them how to read, but we will not let them bring nonsense ideology into Florida schools. But former New York City social studies teacher and Hofstra education professor Alan Singer says critical race theory isn't about teaching hate, but how to think critically. Critical race theory has different meanings to different people, and that's clearly part of what's going on. Critical race theory to academics means using race as a lens to understand the history of the United States. It means focusing on what was the impact of slavery in the past and how race continues to impact on people. Now, what has happened is, of course, there are people on all different sides of the political spectrum who have taken up the idea. And so what you have are some people who have argued that uh, what critical race theory is, is really it, it, it highlights a deeply embedded racism in the United States. Charles Barron, Assemblyman Barron, he's been involved in arguing that all white people uh, have benefited from racism and uh, are obligated to for reparations. On, on the extreme right, uh, people have argued that critical race theory means uh, teaches children that they're all white children that they're racist. Well, critical race theory doesn't teach that all white people are racist, and critical race theory doesn't justify that all white people have benefited. What critical race theory is is an approach to studying the history of the United States and the present. And it's an approach that looks at how deeply embedded racism is. It doesn't then draw conclusions about people or about reparations. 
it is a it's an approach to study. Yesterday, uh, the governor of Florida, DeSantis, signed a law banning the teaching of critical race theory in the schools in uh, Florida. How would you ban the teaching in the classroom, and who would decide if you had broken the law or not? Governor DeSantis is running for president in 2024, and this has nothing to do with education. This has to do with establishing him as the racist candidate for president, picking up the Trump umbrella. What teachers do is we teach critical thinking, and we provide students with multiple lenses, which they can use to understand the past and multiple documents. Teachers and schools and organizations are not trying to impose critical race theory on the children of America. What people have called for is that children need to examine the role their race has played in American society. One lesson I just worked on with some of the teachers in my program at Hofstra on looking at the European Enlightenment. Depending on the documents you choose to bring to the class, you get very different sense of what the European Enlightenment was like. You know, the European Enlightenment is credited with being the age of reason and having a scientific approach to the world. And the standard thinkers that we tend to look at are uh, Rousseau, Baron Montesquieu, John Locke, and in the United States, Thomas Jefferson. These are the people we hold up. But if you provide students with other documents, like Mary Wollstonecraft, who demands to know why women are not treated as human beings, or Immanuel Kant, who tries to develop a scientific basis for racism, you get a very different sense of the European Enlightenment. Thomas Jefferson in the Declaration of Independence argues, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. But in his notes on the state of Virginia, tries to establish a scientific basis for racism that justifies slavery. If you have a critical race theory lens, it broadens the documents that we provide students to analyze. It doesn't then say that they should toss out the European Enlightenment, but it does get them to question the role that race and racism has played throughout U.S. and Western Civ. Teachers are committed to teaching the truth, and they will not hide from presenting students with the things they need to examine. Former New York City social studies teacher and Hofstra education professor Alan Singer. And that theory of critical race got a practical application this week in Brooklyn. Brooklynites rallied around one of New York City's vacant lots earlier this week, which are on top of African burial grounds. The lot has become the focus of community concern over the future of the site. Clark Adamitis reports. African graves matter. African graves matter. African slaves matter. African slaves matter. A vacant lot in Flatbush is on top of an unmarked African burial ground. It's overgrown with weeds, untamed grass, and trees. It is a fenced-off area at the intersection of Bedford Avenue and Church Avenue. Some community members want the site to be developed as an urban farm. Some want a community garden. Others just want a place to sit. But all are united in the importance of commemorating the African burial site. Harriet Hines is a candidate for the New York City Council. Currently on Church Avenue... There are bones underneath the post office, bones underneath the gas station. There's bones underneath the street. So we're asking that they please make a memorial there, a national park there, to commemorate the enslaved people who built this city, who built this district. Elected officials have started a task force to determine how to commemorate the burial ground, but also to focus on their priorities for the area. Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams and District 40 Council Member Matthew Eugene started a task force which aims to look at ways to bring affordable housing to the area while honoring the history of the site. But activists are worried about private developers. Haley Newfalls is a member of Flatbush Workers United. She wants elected officials to take community input much more seriously. Just hoping that they listen, see that there's community disagreement with their plan 
We are holding a rally in order to bring attention to the surrounding neighbors and folks who live in the area because we found that one of the biggest obstacles in the way of organizing around this lot is just lack of awareness, A, that this is a burial ground, and B, that the city is actively trying to develop it. Samantha Bernadine also voiced her concern. She is a teacher at the adjacent Erasmus Hall High School who started a group called the Brooklyn African Burial Ground Project. No, you don't, you don't build something on the backs of those who were enslaved. The city, this country, the world is watching us. And they now know that dirty secret, what enslaved people have been through. Matt Dinero, a member of Flatbush Workers United, envisions an urban farm or community garden on the sacred land. I think it would be really quite incredible use of public land to convert it into an urban farm where the people who were buried there, their bodies that have decomposed are what make the soil uh, nutrient rich. Their spirit is, is still within the community that way and still nourishing literally the community. It's just one of those empty lots you see around New York City that you wonder why it's laying fallow, not being used for anything. At the end of the month, the city task force will hold their third virtual workshop where they will hear community input. Hopefully, the community's recommendations will be included in what the task force sends to the City Department of Housing Preservation and Development. Clark Adamitis, WBAI News, New York. Thanks, Clark. And ahead of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show, an annual event that promotes purebred animals, supporters, often animal right, from the animal rights group PETA, PETA, P-E-T-A, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, are leading colorful messages in downtown Tarrytown, New York, the town hosting this year's show. One sign reads, Breeders Kill Sheltered Dogs, Chances. On Saturday, PETA says they'll hit the streets with signs revealing how breeding dogs for appearances causes congenital defects, including diabetes, which is common in standard poodles. That's according to PETA and uh, the 2020s Best in Show winner. A spokesperson for PETA is Ashley Byrne. She says dog lovers should choose mutts over purebred dogs. Events like the Westminster Dog Show promote the breeding of purebred dogs. But purebred dogs are at a higher risk of suffering from a variety of congenital ailments than mixed breeds. And more than 6 million homeless animals end up in shelters every year because of a lack of good homes. While the show might seem like it's fun and games, it's really not for the dogs. This is a matter of life and death for them. Give us some examples. Labradors, one of America's most popular dogs, are prone to bone disease, hemophilia, German Shepherds, a German Shepherd was actually the best in show winner at Westminster a couple of years ago. They are known to suffer from crippling hip dysplasia, as do Golden Retrievers. Breeds like Bulldogs and Pugs suffer extreme breathing difficulties. Very often uh, they need to have surgery just so they can manage to get along. It doesn't even really fix the problem. All of these things are exaggerated by the breeding standards of the AKC. Breeders specifically breed dogs to have these traits, and the dogs suffer as a result. People who buy one of these purebred dogs on a whim after seeing them in a show like this are not prepared to deal with the kind of health problems that come along with them. And, and that's how a lot of these purebreds end up in shelters. How is it that dog lovers, you would assume people who go through all the trouble of raising a dog and the expense of it at that level and then put them in a show would be dog lovers. Why would they want to damage the animal they love? Precisely because they are thinking more about their own enjoyment than they are about the well-being of these dogs. Westminster Dog Show is, is a recreational event for, for humans, really. The AKC and all breeders are to blame for contributing to the massive overpopulation crisis going on in the U.S. In a time when there are millions of animals literally dying for lack of good homes, it's reckless, cruel, and irresponsible to breed dog, cats and dogs. It's not lighthearted. It's not fun. It's very serious. What are you calling for? This wonderful internationally recognized dog show is a sign of New York on the mend and uh, bringing back better. If we really want to bring things back better, let's start celebrating adoption 
and spaying and neutering. These things are essential to save the lives of dogs. Every single dog deserves a good home. A lot of people bought dogs on a whim during the pandemic. They were not prepared to deal with the responsibilities that would come along with having a dog in their home. If anything, as New York comes back, we should be encouraging people to go to shelters, adopt companion animals. We should be celebrating these lovable mutts who are just as wonderful as purebred dogs and who also deserve loving families and loving permanent homes. You're singing the praises of mutts. Because these dogs are bred more for the way they look than anything else, everything from having these squashed faces that some breeds have to, to the genetic disorders that carry over, purebreds come with a whole host of problems. The dogs are the ones who end up really suffering. The dogs pay the price for something that is just a, a cosmetic preference for people. All dogs are wonderful no matter what they look like. Ashley Byrne is a spokesperson for PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And this week marks 40 years since the first cases of a disease now known as AIDS were reported. Since then, worldwide, 35 million have died of the illness. 35 million more currently live with the virus. Pacifica Radio has this report. This week marks the 40th anniversary of the first reported cases of HIV in the United States. The virus that causes AIDS has killed 700,000 Americans and more than 32 million people worldwide. And as Suzanne Potter reports, there was a struggle in those early years to get the government to take action. Rick Chavez-Spur is executive director of the nonprofit Equality California, a job he's about to leave to run for state assembly. He says Americans mustn't forget the terrible toll of this disease. I lost literally scores of friends to the disease and watched our government pretty much do nothing about it for over a decade. And so as I think about the 40th anniversary, I think we need to remember all the people that were lost. He adds the huge loss of life and perceived inaction by the Reagan administration motivated groups like Equality California to help elect leaders who would take the disease seriously, including President Bill Clinton and Senators Barbara Boxer and Dianne Feinstein. Today, HIV treatments make it possible for 38 million people worldwide to live with HIV, including 1.2 million Americans. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Thank you, Suzanne and Pacifica Radio for that piece. Um, we are going to hang in there till five minutes of the hour to take your calls and to talk about how you can help support the WBAI news because we do this. We cannot do what we do here at WBAI Radio without the participation and support of you, the listeners and the loyal listeners of the WBAI news. We're asking that you become a WBAI buddy, a monthly sustaining member in the name of the news, which is, of course, your favorite radio program, I would hope, uh, since you're listening to it, or in the name of any WBAI programs or in the name of all WBAI programs. A BAI buddy is a listener who signs up to make a recurring monthly donation to WBAI using either a credit or debit card or your bank account. It's safe, secure, simple, and automatic. Just fill out and submit the secure form on our website, wbai.org. Uh, that enables you to become a vote. It also enables you to become a voting member of WBAI. More on that in a moment. Uh, if for any reason you prefer to sign up through a live person without going to WBAI.org and clicking on the little link there on the front page that says BAI Buddy, you can call 212-209-2950 and say you want to become a BAI Buddy and we'll be glad to help you get set up. All right, so you can call, and we'll be repeating this number a few times, 212-209-2950, to become a WBAI buddy in the name of the news. And this is very important. If you do it now, I'm not sure what the last final cutoff day is, but if you do it now, as soon as possible, become a WBAI buddy, you'll become a voting member of WBAI, and you can vote in this very, very important election that's coming up right now. It's, a, it's not really an election. It's a, a plebiscite of sorts over the future of WBAI. And um, I don't know if I'm going too far, but I've been studying this long enough to know that it is a, uh, a, a epic choice in which we either go in the direction of a corporate uh, funded news organization, not too dissimilar, sort of a poor man's WNYC, a poor man's NPR radio station in which we uh, inform you about interesting things or 
we continue on our current road of being a political organization that is in favor of the people and in fighting for the interests of the poor and the oppressed of New York City. All right. Which is it? Which do you want? This is your chance to vote on that choice. It's being made in the most clearest of uh, of it's a very clear choice that's being put out there for us the voters, which I'm one too as a staff member and volunteer at WBAI and you as a, a member, a listener member. Uh, do we vote yes for bylaws that will gut this station and turn it over to liberals in California who have their uh, their idea of running this station as a uh, mayonnaise radio station in which there's no heart, no soul, no feeling? Or we can continue on our and perfect our current path. Of course, we have a long ways to go, and we're always a work in progress here at WBAI to develop a real news organization that uh, delivers the news in the interests of the poor and the oppressed of this city, the millions of people, whether they be in public housing, among the homeless, among the uh, unionized working class who were there in the hospitals delivering the work that needed to be done, the essential workers of this city? Are we going to be your radio station or are we going to be the radio station of uh, liberals? Uh, we want to have those liberals, of course. White liberals are, for, are perfectly uh, invited to participate in, in a radio station that serves the interests of the poor. We, we demand that. It's a responsibility of people who have had opportunities to step forward and become part of WBAI. But we're not going to just serve their interests. We're going to serve the interests of the people of the city, the people in the housing projects, the people in Brooklyn and, and Queens and, and the Bronx, South Bronx, and Lower East Side and uh, in Harlem. Those are the places that we want to help the people and, and serve. We don't want the station to be just something interesting. Another little curiosity in the curio cabinet of Pacifica Radio. We're not going to allow that. And this is your chance. Become a BAI buddy and you can also vote. I hope no, but it's up to you how you want to vote. I don't know if it's legal for me to say that or not. Please tell me not to say it anymore if, it's, if I'm breaking the rules. But you should definitely find out about it and vote the way of your conscience if you carefully read all the documentation that's out there. But you can't vote unless you become a member. And to become a BAI buddy, you should call 212-209-2950 and say you want to become a WBAI buddy. That's it, a BAI buddy. It could be in the name of the news. It could be in the name of uh, uh, any program on BAI. It could be – in the name of all the programs of WBAI, because they are all worthy of your support and important for you to support. Um, this allows folks, and, and we're talking about the folks who listen to BAI who don't have a lot of cash, right? They don't. We all don't. Then if we have a, a station like that, what we can do is we can break up the membership. You can want to donate $100. You can do it by, uh, by becoming a BAI buddy at, at $10 a month. And after a year, it's $120. If we got 1,000 people to do that, it would be amazing. It would be a victory for us to do that. 1,000 people to just give 10 bucks a month, right? That could happen. We could do that by becoming a BAI buddy. Go to WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950. And um, I don't know. We have a few minutes. So if folks want to comment on any of this or ask me any questions, uh, the number about the news or about any of the things I've been talking about that I, I can answer. And I, I don't know if I'm the best person on all this political internal stuff, but it's very important that we do talk about it. 212-209-2877. 209 2877 is the on-air number. And uh, if you want to throw some uh, curveballs at me, I'll be happy to whiff at them as best I can and answer them as best I can. Today's news was typical of the WBAI news. I think it brought together a lot of people. It brought together uh, the input of Pacifica. It brought together the input of our uh, volunteer uh, reporters who have uh, been coming to our uh, to learn 
and become the next generation of WBAI reporters and newscasters and news anchors that we need to keep this station going for another 70 years. Beyond the 70 years, I believe it is 60, 70 years that we've been around 1960 till now. What is it? 60 years? 60 years. All right. So today we talked about uh, about Donald Trump's harrowing abuse of power, according to Chairman, Committee Chairman uh, Adam Schiff, in uh, subpoena and uh, using uh, uh, his power to grab the metadata. That's the background information. You know, not the actual content of the messages, but the information can tell you even more than the content of the messages. Who made it? To where? From where? At what time? From you know, these are the type of questions. The who, what, when, where, and why questions that tell you more sometimes than what's actually said. In the message, Trump got that because he wanted to hurt these people. He used it as vindictiveness. You know, it's the vindictiveness of the government and the power of the government to be vindictive. Are you going to trust some political amateurs to handle news like this who would be brought in from some distant station? I would hope not. It's people you know. Whether you agree with me or not, you know me. I've been around for a long time. You know our staff at WBAI. You know our programmers at WBAI. You know you can trust what we say. You know that we are accountable for what we say. Our people broadcasting from thousands of miles away like they did when they took us off the air in October of 2019, to be trusted, to tell you the truth when you have governments abusing the power of government to the way they do, the government of the Department of Justice and the way that they're doing. And uh, the fact that Christopher Ray, the FBI director, said he was giving all that information to the Capitol Police, they didn't act on it. Do we, can we believe that? Can we trust that kind? Can we trust people with our rights and our protection who, who give answers like that? The people in charge of the FBI, oh, we, we filed everything where it was supposed to be filed. Right. Did they do that to the anti-war protesters? I don't think so. I think not, as they say. And then James Henry, brilliant. James, I've had him on a few times since I first saw him years ago in a documentary from uh, the Netherlands about Donald Trump's involvement in these uh, underground tax avoidance schemes that were going on in Amsterdam at the time using lockboxes there and how people were uh, – corporations were dodging billions of dollars in taxes. And he's – we've talked a lot about that and they get his insight into the G7 um, – you know, it's not not the usual thing. I mean, he's a knowledgeable person from Yale University. Uh, and uh, the leak of confidential IRS data. Very interesting. Right. Why didn't they do that for Trump? Why did they wait till now? <coughs> Again, is there anyone on the line who wants to come on WBAI 212-209-2877? Let me uh, put the word out to our uh, trustee engineer, Reggie Johnson. Is there anybody online who wants to uh Wants to uh, have a comment or a question? I hope I'm. I hope you're hearing me. <laughs> I yeah, hope I'm on the air. Uh, is there someone online? Right now. Yeah, let's take that call. You're on the raid. You're on the air. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. This is Billy from East Orange, New Jersey. Welcome. BAI buddy for 25 plus years. Oh, thank Love you. Love your show. Love the news. And now. My tongue is firmly in my cheek because you denigrated my favorite condiment, mayonnaise. <laughs> sorry about that. I was thinking I might have done that with someone. I'm so yeah, sorry. Well, you, you really did because the creativity around just the plethora of choices in mayonnaise these days is off the graph. Now, here's actually a serious comment. That, that was somewhat serious. Um, I'm not sure if I've ever heard whether or not BAI has tried to raise money from all the decent leftist uh, celebrities whose net worths are often over $5 million who come on and say, I was in a BAI, blah, blah, blah. Susan Sarandon, Alec Baldwin, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I think Susan, definitely. She uh, She's a regular listener. I, I don't want to – I don't know the actual documentation, but I'm sure she does. Right. Uh, and some people do. The problem I found with, with depending on rich people, we always love that people who are lucky enough and fortunate enough right. uh, to turn their talent into money. You know, the rare yeah. few who do that uh, uh, often and has been told to me, it's not easy for them to just give a donation. They have to fund a foundation that then gives the donation. And so we have to get these. And lots of times these foundations um, yeah. don't fund 
programs that things that aren't permanent. They they fund like a, a, a you know a statue, mm. or, you know something that everybody can see for a hundred years, you know. But they don't like to fund something that changes every day and that poof is in in one ear and out. Well, the, you know, you should hope not out the next. But to them, is just something that comes and goes with the times. Uh, well, Folks have to weird. see the need for funding an information source is as important as funding a building. Well, if I can donate money, why can't they? I don't have a foundation. I have one in my house, but that's about it. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. Okay, and sir. I think that's an important message to all the wealthy people out there is to not just put everything through a foundation and through a wealth managers who make the wrong decisions about who should get the money. Stay off the mayonnaise. Thank you. I will. I'm going to get some mayonnaise. I'm going to get some of that cool uh, jalapeno mayonnaise I saw the other day and try it out. How's that? Thank you. Is there anyone else on the line right now? You're listening to WBAI? Yes. You're on the air. Okay. So, no video. Thank you. I do all my own cooking, as you well know. Yes. And uh, I don't believe that the mayonnaise should be on the air. Uh, it belongs in the dish or the jar, but uh, what we had for a little while, which seemed interminable, is not desirable and should never be brought back. That's my personal opinion. Yes, and thank me. you. I feel the same way. They had to throw me off the air for a month to get it on here, and I don't like that at all. And then when I listened to the great program they were replacing me and others with, all of us, I, it was horrifying. Was, first, I had to laugh. And then when I stopped laughing, I had to cry. <laughs> but, you know, there is, there is something to be said that, uh, you know, unfortunately, money is not the answer. It's a bottomless pit because as much as I love BAI, as much as I love community uh, radio, and I do everything that I can, short of, as you know, I'm not a money person. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that part for me is a little difficult, but I volunteer, I report from the field, uh, especially during the Occupy Wall Street when the police were uh, clearing it, and things like that. Um, and we thank you for that. We, we depend on that at BAI, opening the phones. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. But what I'm trying to also say is that, you know, as much as the corporate structure and the foundations and the this and the that are complicated, it needs to be put in order because this cannot go on. You cannot just go and shake down your listeners who don't have money to begin with. You know, we are ready to die for the station, but I don't have any money to give the station. I have. We need a private. Po we do need a sort of. I think. I think you're right, and I've always advocated that we need a sort of a private-public partnership to do this. Uh, and uh, I was thinking maybe we could put on a show. We used to do put on great things. I mean, back in the day, we put on the. Uh, 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 the Christmas uh, Christmas event where people could buy stuff like a crafts fair. I think that was one. I used to make a lot of money on that. I, I don't know whatever happened to that. Music events, is, so many things. Yeah, but it's a, it's complicated because you're a radio station and you're supposed to put out radio, and now we're demanding people have like this other skill of promoting events or selling stuff. If we could have a partnership with somebody who could be trusted. And I trust people basically as far as I can throw them, which ain't too far. So that's a difficult proposition. I know, but you see, the thing is, something needs to change. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not that kind of a scientist that can actually tell you exactly how, but there are a lot of good people who listen to BAI. And as you say, it has to be some sort of public trust, as in yep. the public pitches in with ideas we've worked there used to be that's what we're trying to do we're trying to do and that the telephones that were the volunteers now the, the fundraising is found out and you know i'm sure they take a chunk maybe not a big chunk but a percentage out of whatever people contribute that's another form of mismanagement you have people who would be at the phone for hours taking pledges i know because i've done it Right, right. But times change, times change, and you can't expect things to always stay the same. We have to develop with the times somehow. So somebody needs to actually get in charge. The discussions need to end, and they can be endless. At the, you know, uh, the action. The yes. I love action. Yes, we should do action. Let me move on to the next call because we don't have a real lot of time this time. Thank you very much for that. We need more ideas like that. 
people thinking about how we move forward in a way where we can keep our independence and still be able to support the station. Some part of me says, listen, I've been, you know, we talked about this the other day uh, on one of the programs. I think I, one of the interviews I had on about how uh, that maybe we're destined to always be poor because of the type of thing we do. But at the same time, we should be on a firm enough stand that we're not always in fear of being taken over by bullies and people pushing us around. And that is that is where you walk a fine line without a doubt. Again, uh, where this is WBAI, I really would like – I'm Paul DiRienzo, WBAI News. Become a uh, BAI buddy, a monthly sustaining member in the name of your favorite rodeo program, the WBAI Evening News, for example, or any program or all the programs. A BAI buddy is a listener who signs up to make a recurring monthly donation to WBAI using either – a credit card or your bank account, it's safe, secure, simple, and automatic. Just fill out and submit the secure form that's on WBAI.org. It enables you as well to become a voting member of WBAI, and therefore you can vote and vote, I hope, in the correct way <laughs> to save our station from these clowns who are trying to take it over. You know, these corporatists out in the, you know, the weird coast. This enables you to become a voting member of WBAI. Very important. If for any reason you prefer to sign up through a live person, you can call 212-209-2950. That's 212-209-2950. And you say you want to become a BAI buddy. We'll be glad to help you set that up. All right. So uh, and a BA, like as I said, that's a recurring monthly donation. So you can take, you know, one hundred dollars seems like a lot of money up front. And for many of us, it is. You can cut that into, you know, twelve eight dollar payments or one hundred twenty dollars, twelve ten dollar payments. Nice round number. You know, somebody might be able to afford a little bit more. Maybe they have a job or something. Maybe they work here, or work there. Twenty bucks, twenty five bucks a month. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, how much? Do you, I couldn't believe when I got they keep raising the costs of the my desperate. I desperately need this internet connection. I remember when it was like twelve dollars. $15 a month, and now it's – I don't want to even say what it is. It's ridiculous to keep a, a high-speed internet connection necessary to do the news from a remote location during COVID costs a fortune. So you can imagine what BAI has to pay for all the internet connections and all the connections it has to use in order to keep its uh, ourselves on the air. The prices just keep going up and up and up. So – uh, 5%. That they're kidding me with their 5% inflation. What are they out of their minds? The prices have gone up a lot more than 5%. They're out of their mind. 5%, I it would be nothing. Five cents on a dollar. I could live with that. It's a lot more than that. We need your help. If you're lucky enough to be well employed, you know, solidly employed, you're not about to lose your job tomorrow. A nice unionized job, right? Please call 212-209-2950 and say you want to become a BAI buddy. And we'll help you through it and help you get set up. Now, uh, we have about six minutes left. I can take calls. Is there anyone at 212-209-2877 who'd like to ask a question or make a comment? All right. Are you on? Yeah, there's a caller holding. All right. Thank you. Let's let Hello. him on. All right. You're on the radio. Welcome Hello. to WBAI. Hello. Hi. Question or comment for WBAI? Yeah. I would. Um, I love this station so much. I think it should be renamed. The University WBAI. That's comment number one. Number two, you can imagine, brother, how I felt uncomfortable. I felt I couldn't function that month when that rogue faction from California took over yeah, the well, I, I like California. I don't want to blame California or the beautiful Bay Area where wonderful people live. The rogue faction is good enough. They have their agents everywhere. That, that's why I said the rogue, the rogue faction. Yes, you're right. They're based There's some of them around California, but there's a lot of cool people who love us in California, too. Yeah, brother. I know one final thing I want to say because I know other people want to get out. Get on. Now, don't That's all right. That's all. Go ahead. I just want to make that point because it's so easy. We, I do it too, to slip into, uh, you know, this East Coast West Coast factional thing, and I know it's deeper than right. that. My brother, one more comment I like to make. And I don't want you to take it negative. Go I'm ahead. saying it because I care about the station. But listen to me, brother. You see the, the premiums? That's where the strength of the station lies. And that's the weakness of the station. 
And you always bring up some excuse when people call in and talk about it. Oh, they understaff. Brother, listen, you you complaining? You got to find a way to get these these premiums. They take too long to send them out. Do you, can you imagine you you order seven eight hundred dollars in premium, and after four months five months, you just get two. And listen to me, brother. Sometimes you get none. So All right, that's a, a thank you for that, and I hope that goes. People are listening, and people should hear that. And we have to figure out a way to get around that. A lot of that is we have to change the way we do things here because we have to be in the 21st century. Only got a couple more minutes. That's well, well heard, well, and and definitely something people are discussing right now. Thank you very much for that, and how we can maybe find a better way to get around that problem because it's, it is problematic to mail things out in this day and age. Uh, okay, we got a couple of minutes. Another call. Fit somebody else in? All right, there's two more callers left. Let's fit somebody in. Thank you. Yes, greetings. You're on the air. Question or comment? Radio family. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you calling from? First of all, it's not about rich people and a foundation because Pacifica is a foundation, so that's, that's not an issue. It's about getting the audits done in a timely manner, which, of course, has been a problem for years because rich people don't feel confident is is one explanation. The other thing is that it must be more interaction, um, Paul, and sharing of ideas. It was very difficult to get through, to get a call picked up for interaction. I think the phone system needs to be... um, Short up, including the volume when you're on cue for trying to listen to the guests, to you and the other callers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is that as we get this no vote on the referendum, we must, every institution, organization that stays viable has to rebrand and give a fresh face, okay? So... There's expertise at hand that would help with that. It has to be, there has to be access of the listeners and members to management uh, with their ideas. It's basically not happening now. There also needs to be a push, especially to get some of those rich people, of transparency and democracy. People know when things are not quite right. And so that's that's my comment. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much on that. Okay, let's fit in the last question. No, that was it. That was it. All right. Thank you. So as we come to our last one minute here, I just want to remind folks. Go ahead. All right. As we come to the last minute, we're counting down. Become a BAI buddy. Go to WBAI.org in the name of the news or BAI in general or any other program you wish. Call 212-209-2950. 212-209-2950, WBAI.org, 212-209-2950. And a BAI buddy is a listener who signs up to make a recurring monthly donation to WBAI using either a credit card or a debit card or your bank account. It's safe, secure, simple, and automatic. Just fill out and submit the secure form to the right. Thank you very much for listening to the WBAI News, and I'll see you on Sunday.